0: Everybody, hey, you're here. You're here. You made it. Awesome. We're so glad that you came. I know that you could have easily just kind of pulled the covers over your head this morning, but you didn't. You got out and you braved the weather. We're so glad that you're here. I want to take just a moment before we get into the message today and say a huge thank you to all of our volunteers. Don't we have the most amazing volunteers in the world? And I'm telling you, on a Sunday like today, when it would be easy to just stay in bed because of the rain and the weather and all that, they get out and they come and they make things happen. And especially today, of all days, I think we need to give a huge honor to all of our parking team volunteers. Come on. I'm telling you. I'm looking out there, and I'm seeing those guys out there, and I'm going, I don't know if I would have even showed up if I was on the parking team today. And these guys are committed, and we're so thankful for that, thankful for umbrellas to go and help you to get in on a rainy day like that. And I'm so thankful that you are here today. As we conclude this series, we've been doing this last few weeks called Knock Knock. So everybody say knock knock. We've been having a little bit of fun with this, and uh, we just asked you to just go on social media and give us some of your favorite knock-knock jokes, and we just said we'll share them in some of the uh, sermons and just kind of just have a little bit of fun. So today we've got our final knock-knock jokes. You're going to have to help me with this just a little bit. This first one, I like it. It comes from Melissa Lowe. In fact, Melissa gave us lots of knock-knock jokes to choose from, and uh, this one's kind of a classic, so help me out. Knock-knock. Yoda lady. Wow, I didn't know you knew how to yodel. Oh, that's good. That's good. That's good. All right, I like this one. Comes from Nancy Honeycutt. Says knock knock. Yes. Orange. Orangey, yes. Orange, you glad you go to LifeGate. Oh, isn't that so sweet? Then I love this one. Comes from Jason Reynolds, was my favorite one for the week. Goes like this. Knock knock. Yah. Yes. Yeah. 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 Nah, bro, I prefer Google. <laughs> And then there was like a last minute addition this morning that I thought we just had to get it into the message today. So help me out one more time. Knock, knock. Ray raindrops are falling on my head I know cheesy cheesy stuff and yet there really is a point because we've been talking about doors and we've been talking about knocking on the doors and we've been talking about doors that we open we've been talking about some of the doors that God opens for us and then sometimes God will close the door and today we're going to wrap this up by talking about shutting the door so everybody look at your neighbor and tell them, shut the front door We're going to talk about the doors that we need to close sometimes in our life. So if you have your Bible, why don't you go ahead and open with me to Genesis. It's at the very beginning, if you didn't know that. Genesis chapter 4. And while you're turning there to Genesis chapter 4, let me just kind of set up this passage that we're going to read this morning. Most of us know that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then he created Adam. He created Eve. Then Adam and Eve had two sons named Cain and Abel. And Cain was really good at the ground and at vegetation. He was a farmer, and so he was really good at farming the ground. And then Abel was better with animals, and he was he was a shepherd. And so the time came to bring to bring their offerings to the Lord. And this is where we pick up our passage in Genesis chapter four and verse number three. Why don't you read it along with me today? It says, "And when it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as the gift to the Lord, and Abel also brought a gift, the best portions of the firstborn lambs from." His flock. And the Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. This made Cain very angry, and he looked dejected. Why are you so angry, the Lord asked Cain. Why do you look so dejected? Will you be accepted if you do what is right? But if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Everybody say, watch out. Watch out for sin is crouching at your door, eager to control you, but you must subdue it and make it, make you its master. Notice that, that verse right there. Sin is crouching at your door. Here's what you have to understand it this morning, and that is, is that there is a real enemy. There is a real devil. I know that we try to kind of water it down and we got a picture of the devil in our mind. that sits on our little shoulder and he's in the little red suit with the pointy ears and the pitchfork and all of that kind of stuff. But let me just tell you something today that there is a real battle. And there is a real enemy and there is a real devil and he's not just a little cartoon character, but he wants to destroy your life. That sin is crouching at every single one of our doors and it wants us to just crack the door just a little bit to let it in so that the enemy can destroy us. In fact, Jesus talked about this in John chapter 10 and verse 10. He says that the thief comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. And the truth is, This morning that we like to kind of water it down and it's not like the most politically correct thing to say in America today. But the truth is there is a real enemy that Satan is real and he is a thief that wants to steal and kill and destroy. He wants to destroy everything that you love in this life. Spiritual warfare is a real enemy thing. In fact, Paul talked about this in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse number 12. He says that we're not fighting against flesh and blood, but we are fighting against rulers and authorities over the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, against evil spirits in the heavenly places that even right now that the enemy desires to destroy your life, that sin is crouching at your door, wanting to move into your hearts. And this is what God spoke to Cain. He says, Watch out. Be on your guard. Be careful that you don't let the door open because sin will move in and take over. But we know the story. Cain didn't heed the warning. In fact, Cain opened the door of his heart and he allowed bitterness and jealousy and resentment and anger to begin to just a little bit at a time begin to seep into his life. And we see where it leads. We see it right there in the passage in verse number eight, that that Cain allows this bitterness and this anger in his heart that he becomes jealous towards his brother. And then one day he goes out into the field and when he gets out into the field, he's angry at his brother and the Bible says that he struck his brother and killed him let me just tell you something I don't believe that Cain ever in his mind one day just woke up and thought I want to one day become a murderer I don't think he ever thought you know one day I want to I want to kill my brother and be known for the guy who killed his brother you know what I'm saying And the truth of the matter is that there's not a person alive who wakes up one day and says, you know, one day I want to be an addict or one day I'd like to go to jail or one day I'd like to have an affair or I'd like to be an adulterer. No, no, no. Here's how it happens. It happens just a little at a time as we crack open the door just a little bit and the enemy begins to move in. In fact, it's kind of like what one old preacher one time said. He said, sin will take you further than you ever intended to go. It'll keep you longer than you ever intended to stay. And it will cost you more than you ever intended to pay. The truth is I see it all the time as a pastor. People, oh, you know, Pastor, it's not a big deal. I mean, why are you being such an old fuddy duddy? I mean, it's just me and the girls. We're just kind of going out to, you know, to the to the parties just a little bit, just kind of doing our thing. Nothing's really gonna happen. It's really it's really not not really that big of a deal, Pastor. Oh, come on, Pastor, it's, it's really not that big a deal. I mean, it's just we're just having lunch with a coworker, and I know, you know, she's of the opposite sex and I'm married and she's married and probably shouldn't do that, but nothing's ever really gonna happen. It's really not not that big deal. I, I know, Pastor, come on, you know, just come on, lighten up a little bit. It's just flirting with the waitress just a little bit. I mean, it's all right to look at the menu as long as you don't order anything, you know. I mean, it's just it's, it's cool, Pastor. I mean, it's just, it's just, it's just cutting a couple corners on my taxes. It's not really, I mean, the government don't need my money anyway. It's not that really big a deal. And we just crack the door open just a little bit, but sin will take us further than we ever really intended to go, and it'll keep us longer than we ever thought. We were gonna stay, and in the end, it will cost us more than we ever intended to pay. And this is what we see with Cain and Abel that Cain never intended to become a murderer, but that's what happened, and it ruined his life. But let me just tell you, it didn't just ruin Cain's life, it ruined Abel's life as well. And some of us go, Well, it's really it's only hurting me, but let me just tell you something, it's not just hurting you. And when we open the door, even just a little crack, sin is crouching at our door waiting desiring to have us. I want to talk about this for a few minutes this morning. I just want to start by just talking about how do we leave the door open for sin in our lives and then we'll wrap it up by talking about how do we make sure that we have closed the door and sealed it up tight. So if you're taking notes, let's just look at three things from this story of Cain and Abel. Three ways that I believe that Cain left, his, left the door of his heart open for sin. The first one is this, that we leave The door opened to our heart for sin when we live in partial surrender. Everybody say partial surrender. This is what we see here with Cain and Abel. Look at this. Cain wanted to give something to God, just not everything. In fact, look at look at verse number three. It says, and when it was time for the harvest, Cain presented, look at this word, some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. And Abel also brought a gift, the best portion of the firstborn lambs of his flock. What was the difference between Cain's and Abel's offering? Cain brought some of his crops. Abel brought the best portions of his crops. And here's where a lot of us live, that we want to give God a little bit of our lives. Like, I want, to, I want to have a little bit of a relationship with God. I just don't want to give God everything, right? I mean, you know, I'll give him a Sunday or two every now and then, but just not every Sunday, especially when it's, when it's raining like today, Right? I mean, I'll give, God, I'll give God a few days of the week. I just don't want to give him everything because, man, on the weekends, that's when that's my time and I have fun. I want to be a Christian, but I don't want to be like super radical and sold out, one of those kind of people. I just want to, I want to go to heaven, but I don't really want to kind of give him this little area that I have reserved for myself over here. You know what that's called? It's called partial surrender. We want to give God something. We want to give God a little bit, but we don't want to give God everything. And here's what happens when we partially surrender our lives to God. What happens is that we leave the door of our, of our life cracked open just a little bit. And sin is like a virus that if we just let even just a little bit, eventually there will be an outbreak and it will take over our whole life. But if we will decide that God, I'm going to surrender all that I have fully to you, then guess what it does? It crowds out any room for sin in our hearts. How do we leave the door open for sin? It starts with a partial surrender. It's what we see happen with Cain's life. But then notice number two, if you're taking notes, write this down. It also happens sometimes when we have an unresolved anger. In fact, look at our text again in verse number five. The Lord accepted Abel's gift, but he did not accept Cain's gift. And this made Cain what? Everybody say it out loud. Made Cain angry and he looked dejected. Now, here's what we have to understand, all right? Let me do just a little background here that anger in itself is not sin. You can be angry without sinning, right? But here's what we have to understand is that when we don't know how to control and know how to deal with, when we don't allow our anger to be resolved, here's what happens. It leaves room for sin to be able to come in To our life. In fact, how many of you? Let's just this honesty time here for a second, confession time. How many of you have ever done something stupid when you were mad? Come on, raise your hand. Right? I mean, right? You kick the dog, you slam the door, punch the whatever. You know, punch the wall. Hope you don't punch a person. You know. And I mean, and don't we, we we do this stuff that happens in, in anger and anger by itself is not a sin. It's what we do when we don't deal with anger that becomes sinful. And this is what Paul was actually talking about in Ephesians chapter four and verse 26. Look what he says in your anger, do not sin. So in other words, you can be angry without sinning and do not let the sun go down while you are still angry and do not give the devil a what? A Foothold. Now what does that mean? Like that's kind of a that's kind of like a word that we don't use very often. What does foothold mean? Well if you actually look at it in the Greek there, it actually means an opportunity. It actually means a location. It actually means a room. It's like it's like leaving the foot in the door so that it stays cracked open. Actually, very literally it's like saying to the enemy, it's like saying to the devil, here is a guest room in my heart. Like, I'm going to leave the light on for you. You just kind of come on in anytime you want. And here's what Paul says, that when we have unresolved anger, it's like we say to the enemy, hey, there is a space in my heart for you. We give the enemy a foothold into our lives. And it starts with anger, but it leads to a whole bunch of other stuff. In fact, James talked about it like this in James 1 and verse 19. He says, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to get angry. Why? Because human anger does not produce the righteous life that God desires. When we don't deal with these issues of anger in our heart, here's what happens. When that is unresolved inside of us, it's like it gives room for the enemy to be able to maneuver and be able to move in to our life. And some of you, this is exactly where you're at today. You come in today and you have, you have an anger deep down inside. Now you don't admit it. You don't walk around going, man, I'm just, I'm just angry. But every time, something happens it just bubbles out some of you maybe maybe you've even had someone has hurt you or said something or 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 done something in your life and you carry around this unforgiveness or this bitterness or this resentment towards that person and then it just begins to express itself in in your family and with your kids and it and eventually if you don't deal with it it will take over your whole life some of you maybe it's maybe it's a temper and you're not able to you're not able to properly deal with this emotion of of anger and it just flows out in temper. Some of you you're just mad at the world. How many know some people like that, right? And I mean and it affects every area of our life. Some of you the truth is the anger that you have is anger that you have turned inward towards yourself because of mistakes and because of faults and because of things that you Have done. In fact, many counselors will will tell you this, that depression really is just anger turned inward. And that's where some of you are today. You're just depressed and you're just walking through life with depression. And the reason is you have this unresolved anger inside of you. And if you don't deal with it, it will eventually take over your whole life. When you open the door, it will move into your hearts. We see this with Cain. We see that he had... A partially surrendered life. We see that he was living with this unresolved anger. But number three, check this out. He had a prideful attitude. Everybody say pride. Pride. Prideful attitude. Look at this. Verse number eight. One day Cain suggested to his brother, let's go out to the field. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. And afterwards, the Lord asked Cain, where is your brother? Where is Abel? Cain said, I don't know. Am I my brother's guardian? Now, now listen to this for a second. Here's the guy who just killed his brother, right? And now now God is saying, where's your brother? And Cain responds with, I don't know. How am I supposed to know? Am I my brother's guardian, right? How many parents, you know what I'm talking about? Like you ask one of your kids, how did that get broken? I don't know. Am I supposed to know? Come on, how many ever experienced that before parents, right? And here's here's what Cain is doing. Like, I don't know. And and what is that? Listen to the arrogance in his voice. Listen to the sarcasm. Am I my brother's keeper? Like what's happening? There's pride in his heart. And here's, here's what pride does. In fact, if you're taking notes, you might want to write this down. It is impossible to admit wrong when there is pride in your heart. And here's what happens. Even when God himself comes to Cain and says, what have you done? Cain is still not able to admit what he has done. And many of us, that's exactly where we are. Even right now, there may be some pride in your heart. And even right now, as I'm talking, the, the, the Holy Spirit is convicting you of some areas in your life where you know you're not right with God. You know you're not doing what you need to be doing. But you don't want to admit it because there's pride inside your hearts. And when pride moves in, here's what happens. It opens the door for the enemy to begin to move into our life. In fact, the scripture says it like this in Proverbs 16 and verse 18. That pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before the fall. That when we allow pride in our heart, that it, it will destroy us from the inside out. But here's what the scripture says in Proverbs 10 and 17. It says that if anyone is willing to be corrected, he is on the pathway of life. Here's what we do is we humble ourselves before God so you say well pastor maybe I recognize some of these areas of my life or maybe I've got some partially surrendered areas or I've got some anger issues or maybe I've got some pride in my heart and I'm I'm tired of letting the enemy in and so what do I do how do I close the door well let's notice a couple things if you're taking notes the first one is this is we're gonna we're gonna learn to guard our hearts everybody say "Guard guard your heart look what the scripture says in Proverbs Proverbs 4 and 23, it says, guard your heart, look at these words, above all else. What does that mean? That means first, most important, more important than anything else. Here's what you're going to do. You're going to guard your heart. Why? Because it determines the course of your life. If you're, if you're taking notes, write this down. The condition of your heart will determine the course of your life. Whatever is in your heart will determine the direction of your life, if you have pride in your heart, guess what? You're going you're gonna to be on the path of destruction. If you have anger in your heart, you're going to be in a, on a pathway that is away from the righteous life that God desires for you to live. If you have selfishness in your heart, you're going to be on a pathway of loneliness. If you have fear in your heart, you're going to be a, on a pathway of doubt and insecurity. Whatever is in your heart, the condition of your heart will determine the course of your life. Some of you right now, you would even recognize that there's some stuff in my heart that's not, that shouldn't be there. I, you can even right now as the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, he's showing you some areas in your life where maybe there's fear or maybe there's resentment or maybe there's selfishness or maybe there's. Pride, And you would say, I don't know what to do with that. Well, here's what we do with it. Just the same thing that David did. You remember the story of David. David was a man after God's heart. He had a pure heart until he cracked the door open one day and he saw Bathsheba as she was bathing. And just a little at a time, he never intended to be an adulterer. He never intended to have Bathsheba's husband murdered. He never intended for any of that to happen. But just a little crack in his heart. He just let his guard down for just a moment. And one day, someone who loved him said, I see some areas of your life that are not the way that they should be. And just like that person today, I'm someone who loves you. that I'm just saying, hey, maybe there's some areas of your life that are not the way that they should be. And you say, well, what do I do? We do what David did. In Psalm 51, what did he say? He said, God, create in me a what? A pure heart. Renew a right spirit in me. You're going to guard your hearts. So everybody say guard your heart." Number two, here's what we're going to do. We're going to learn to guard our minds. Here's the deal. The, the battle for your heart, here's where it happens. It happens right here in your mind. In fact, I love what Craig Groeschel says. He says, the direction of your life will always will always head in the direction of your strongest thoughts. What you're thinking about, guess what? That's what you're going to become. In fact, the Bible says in Proverbs that whatever a man thinks in his heart... So is he. So here's what we got to do. If we're going to guard our hearts, it starts by guarding our minds. The things that we think, the, the things that come into our minds that, that, that lead us in the direction that we shouldn't be going, we've got to make sure that Paul says it like this, that we take captive. Everybody say, take captive. We're going to take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. That when a thought comes into my, to our minds, we're going to guard our minds. And we're going to immediately go, all right, is this a God thought or is this a worldly thought? Is this a thought that is thinking upon good things and upon righteous things and upon the things of God? Or is this a thought that's going to lead me away from the things of God? And so every single thought that comes into our minds, we're going to guard our minds by taking captive every thought. I like the way that Jeremiah said it in Jeremiah 12 and verse 3. He says, yet you know me, Lord, and you see me. And you look at this word, you test. Everybody say test. Test. You test my thoughts about you. And then he gets pretty expressive. I mean, it's a pretty incredible picture that he says. He says, drag them off like sheep to be butchered. Set them apart for the day of slaughter. Man, that's a pretty graphic picture. And here's what Jeremiah says. I'm gonna test every thought. I'm gonna allow the Holy Spirit to to test every thought that I have. And any thought that is not in alignment with God's word, that He I'm gonna I'm gonna tell God to drag that thing away to be slaughtered like a sheep. That's how persistent we ought to be in guarding our minds. So we're gonna guard our hearts, we're gonna guard our mind. Number three, write this one down. We're gonna have to learn to guard our eyes. In fact, look at what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 22. Look what he says. He says, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. And if then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Here's what Jesus said. Hey, the darkness in your heart, how did it get there? It got there through your eyes. It got there through the things that you that you see. See, most of us, we would never intentionally open the door of our heart for sin to come in. Instead, we just crack the window by the things that we see, by the by the movies that we watch, by the by the TV programs that we allow into our homes by the things that we allow to influence us by the things that we look at on online and the things that we read and the things see our eyes are the window to our soul and I know you're going well pastor aren't you getting a little old school a little legalistic here and I'm just I'm just telling you that it's not about legalism it's about love That God loves you and he he wants to warn you just like he warned Cain. And imagine if Cain would have listened to the warning. His life would have looked different. And if many of us would listen to the warning and realize that, hey, we can't look at the same things that the world looks at. We've We've got to guard our eyes for they are the window to our soul. In fact, Jesus said it like this in Matthew 5 and verse 29. He says, if your eye, even your good eye, causes you to lust, gouge it out and throw it away. For it's better for you to lose one part. Of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your hand, even your strong hand, causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. Man, that's some pretty extreme stuff. I mean, is, is Jesus being literal here that we should just be poking out eyes and cutting off arms? Well, I hope not, because if he is, we'd have a whole bunch of one armed cyclopses running around here. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know. I don't think he's being literal as much as he's basically saying this, that we ought to deal extremely with extreme caution in this area of our life. And anything, everybody say anything, anything, anything that would that would creep into our hearts, that that would come in to destroy our life. Man, we're not we're not even going to leave the door Open. We're not even going to leave a crack in the window. And here's the thing is a lot of us, you know what, I'll just be honest. We, in our, we entertain ourselves with sin. And then we wonder why we think the way we do and feel the way we do. And we wonder why it begins to creep into our life the way that it does. And Jesus said, no, no, no. We're going to deal swiftly and severely with this area. And we're going to put up such a guard over our eyes that we're not. we're going to seal up the windows and the doors tight so that the enemy can't get in. Come on, I'm preaching. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to guard our hearts. We're going to guard our minds. We're going to guard our eyes. Num- number four, write this one down. We're going we're to guard our house. In fact, look at this passage in Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 9. Look what it says. It says, And these commandments I give to you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. And then notice what he says in verse number nine. He says, and write them on the door frames. Everybody say door frames. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. God is talking to his people and he says, Here's what I want you to do. I want you to take my commandments and I want you to literally get out a sharpie and I want you to mark them on the door frames of your house. Now, why would he tell them to, to write God's commandments on the door frame of the house? Well, what does a door frame represent? It represents entrance, it represents exit, it represents boundaries. And here's what God says. I want you to take my commandments and I want you to make them the boundary that you live your life by. I want you to make them the boundary of your house so that nothing can come in that shouldn't come in, so that nothing can go out that shouldn't go out. I want you to take my commandments and I want you to make them the standard that you live by. I want you to put them around the doorframe of your house, and I want you to put them on your gate, so that you will remember. I want you to protect your house, kind of like the the Under Armour commercial you seen that where they're getting all fired up before the game, and they're like, "We must protect this house," right? You like that part? Well, let me just tell you something, parents. That's your job. That not you're, you're not just called to protect your own eyes and your own heart and your own mind. You're called to be the protector over the house. And let me just ask you, moms and dads, what are you allowing into your house? But the things you allow your kids to see and the things you allow your kids to say and the people you allow your kids to hang around with and the things that maybe you don't even know that may be coming through on their phone or their mobile device and you know nothing about it and you're allowing those things in your house and then you wonder why they're struggling with lust or you wonder why they got a bad attitude or you wonder let me just tell you moms and dads you are responsible to not just protect yourself but to actually be the protector over the house to close the door from anything that the enemy would want to come in and steal and kill and destroy and let me just tell you this dads it starts with you that if you allow yourself to get distracted guess what will happen the enemy will just slowly and surely just creep in in fact Jesus was talking about this in Matthew chapter 29, or 12 and verse 29, look what he says. He says, how can anyone enter a strong man's house and carry off his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man? Then he can plunder the house. Let me just tell you, dads, you are called to be the strong man of the house. God puts you there as the protector over your spouse and over your children. The protector, the watchman over the door to decide what comes in and what goes out. Here's what God says I want you to do. I want you to take my commands and I want you to make them the standard. I want you to make them the boundary that you live your life by. And that is the boundary over your family and over your house as well. And here's what the enemy knows that if he can bind you up by getting you messed up by allowing a little sin to just move in, in your heart, in your mind, through your eyes, if he can get you distracted from your ultimate job of the protector of your house, then guess what? Then... can slowly, steadily, surely begin to move in and plunder the whole house. Today's the day that you got to decide, am I going to be like Cain? Am I going to, am I going to just kind of live this partially surrendered life and I'll give God a little bit and not, you know, not really everything. Am I going to let anger and resentment and stuff in my heart? To to destroy me? Am I gonna? Am I gonna let pride to hold me back from humbling myself and admitting that maybe those are areas of my life where I need to change? Or am I gonna be a person that's gonna say I'm gonna guard my heart and I'm gonna guard my mind and I'm gonna guard my eyes so that I can be that person that will put a guard over my house so that just like the scripture says, when the enemy comes in like a flood, we know a little bit about that this morning. What happens? The spirit of the Lord will raise up a. Standard I guess. And I believe that God's looking for some people here this morning who will raise up a standard. Some people who will say, not in my house, not in my mind, not in my heart, not in my, not in my church. I'm going to be a person who's going to say, yeah, okay, it's an old school and I may have to look a little bit different. And let me just tell you something, when you begin to really live this You're not going to look the same as the neighbor. You're not going to look the same as everybody else in America today. And it may not even be popular. You may even have your kids be like, what? We can't watch that. We can't do that anymore. But let me just tell you something, moms and dads, you're not called to be popular. That's not your job. Your job is to protect over the house. Your job is to protect your eyes and to protect your heart and protect your mind so that you can be set apart the things of God and it's not about rules you know what it's about? It's about relationship it's not about legalism it's about a father who loves us so much that he's not just trying to get us to check off the list of rules that we have to do and things we can't do and no, 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 it's about the fact that God loves us and he doesn't want us to end up in a place like Cain ended up destroying our lives and destroying the lives of people around us instead he wants us to end up on the pathway that he has chosen for us and so he just says, above all else, guard your hearts, guard your mind, guard your eyes, guard your house, guard your family, guard your church, put up the guard, close the door, lock the door tight, seal it up, because the enemy is crouching at your door and he desires to have you. If you crack the door open just a little bit, he'll move in.